the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. Have fun and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight, everyone. This is the Soapster. Welcome you to welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Well, actually, it's ninety minutes that we're going to be putting out some questions based on our scheduled Bible readings. Our 
our regular scheduled readings for this time of the year. We are reading through the Gospel of Matthew. We're finishing up chapters 26 through 28, the final chapters of the uh, the New Testament book of Matthew. And then now we are returning. We have returned this past week as well back to the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and now the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. We'll read those two books before returning once more to the New Testament with the Gospel of Mark. But uh, we read chapters 1 through 10 of the book of Numbers uh, this past week. So those are the books that our questions will come from this week. We'll read, uh, we read Psalm 28 through 31 and Psalm 146. So we have some questions for you from those particular chapters. And then we uh, will go back to the New Testament and pick up with those final chapters, the last events, uh, the final week of uh, the Jesus Messiah's uh, life. He returned to Jerusalem for one final week of uh, training of his disciples, uh, uh, worshiping with them, and also confronting directly the the um, the corrupt. Uh, leadership involved at that time in the temple there in Israel, and 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 even uh, having his his uh, interaction with the the Roman leadership as well, because they, uh, as you know, the Jewish leadership were not able to, uh, they themselves were not able to carry out, I think, a, a death uh, or a capital punishment. It had to be uh, through the Roman leadership, and so he has to confront them as well and deal. With them, so he goes. Just this final climactic week of the life of Jesus the Messiah. He knew what he was going into. Uh, he knew what was going to happen. He had already announced it to his disciples what was going to happen to him once he was in Jerusalem. But he knew too that that was part of his calling, part of his uh, that was going to be part of his life experience in carrying out the role of the Messiah. The Redeemer. So uh, there's where we are. We read those books in Matthew, and then we went back to the book of Numbers, which uh, is very interesting to me. I don't know, Jacob, how you, uh, Jacob, by the way, is in the house as well. Oh, uh, let me. Uh, that's me. That's you, buddy. Ah. You know what I have over the years, I've looked at, uh-huh. here we are in January, coming into a brand new year, 2016, uh-huh. and, we, and we always end up reading at this time of the year, uh-huh. these first week or so of uh-huh. January, uh-huh. Uh-huh. the book of Numbers. Yes. And in my mind, I've, I've all, it didn't make sense to me until maybe, uh, maybe the third, fourth, fifth year that we read through the Bible like yes. this. I, I realized that it seems to me that it's a good book to read at New Year, because at New Year we're making... We're making resolutions. We're kind of evaluating our past, and we're kind of looking forward to a new year. What's going to happen? We're kind of getting ready for that. It's a kind. If it seems to be a kind of a time of of introspection and evaluation in terms of you know what what what's going to happen, what's coming in the future, preparation, a mental, emotional preparation for the future. Well, it seems like in some ways that's what the Book of Numbers is all about. They are. It's named for these these uh, uh, what do you call these counting of the people uh, of census the two counting of the people of Israel that are recorded in the book of Numbers. But it's all about preparation, right? It's it's all with the idea that the people are getting ready to go into the promised land. They came out of Egypt, but that that wasn't the end of it. In other words, they didn't come out. Coming out of Egypt was not the final. Um, was not the final goal. They came out so that they go. They could go in, 
and they came out of Egypt so that they could go into uh, the promised land, go return to it, right? And so uh, they all, the, now we're, do they, is the book of Numbers seen in any sense that way? A book of preparation, a book of uh, uh, getting ready to go into the May I land? suggest another word? Yeah. Inclusion. Okay, that's good. Uh, explain it. Oh, I can't. No, it's uh, <laughs> they. Uh, they come out of Egypt, as you say. Now, we know when they came out, we are talking. They took with them people who are quote unquote not Jews, not Israel, uh-huh. and you'll find it in chapter twelve of Exodus. And you're actually going to find it. It occurs in this first part of Numbers too. At one time, they're called. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it's called mixed multitude. So they're not. There were some from even Egyptians, and there were everybody. The, the Jews' yeah. understanding is was a little bit of everybody. Okay, okay. So like going to a cafeteria. All right. Uh, and so, what you've got is, but by the now they're distinguished up until when? Yes, you guessed it. When they get to Israel, and the land allocations are given, there's no longer a mixed multitude. They have now been, may I say, grafted in. They are now part of Israel. Each of them having being a part of a, even a particular tribe, the tribe that maybe brought them into. Uh, if, and in example, some Jesus, of them may have been family members, right? It's possible. Husband, spouse. Sure, sure. But uh, sure, of course, there was some marriage. Okay. But um, here's the idea: Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. Uh-huh. Agreed. Right. Okay. So if you follow him and he brought you into, shall we say, Israel. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Then the guy that brought you in, you'll be a member of Israel, but you've got to have a tribe. Affiliation so the guy the that brought you in, you're a member of his tribe. So that, I, I'm shocked to say this to you, Soapy, but that technically makes you a Jew. Oh, man, I don't mind that. I don't mind it at all. That's, uh, that's all right. I've always said, I always kind of wished in a way that it's always a, I've always, even as a child, younger, I was always kind of jealous of the Jews, even from an ethnic background. I mean, I'm proud of my own. Ethnic, I'm proud <laughs> of my so, own. Ethnic, to, from a Jewish ethnicity. point of view, that is such a, a funny line. No, no. Really? Yeah, because they're thinking, what? You want to go through everything that the Jews have gone through? <laughs> are well, you nuts? Well, perhaps the Native Americans have gone through quite a bit yeah, <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. To some degree, a little bit. Some degree, at least. A little bit, maybe, like uh, you've experienced. But that w- the source of my jealousy, my ethnic jealousy, was not uh-huh. so much that uh, or my desire to kind of identify as a Jewish person. But the idea was, gosh, how proud I would be, how happy I'd be if... If the Savior, the Redeemer of the world, the Messiah, had been an Apache Indian, I thought, wow, I, I would have been so. Well, be, let me suggest that he would be so happy. Yeah, well, be happy. Let's uh, let's say he was an Apache. Indian. All right. Okay. Now, because uh, uh, from the Christian point of view, he represents everybody. So he'd sure. be an Apache. He'd be uh, Chinese. He might even be considered, oh, I better not say it, never mind. But he was maybe an Australian. How's that? <laughs> oh, I know what you were thinking, maybe. You know, I read, now we're getting off topic here. Folks, bear with me. But I, Oh, no, I, no. This don't, past don't, week, folks, do not bear with him. We'll never get back. This, pair, this past week, there was a, a well-known Judaist, uh, Jewish comedian. Uh, I don't oh. know if you know her name. No. You may recognize her when I tell you the story. Uh-huh. She was over with her, uh, evidently her boyfriend or someone, and she was in Europe, I think up in Wales, and evidently she went to attend um, attend church with her friend, who is ev- evidently Christian, 
And that's and, where Christians usually go as a church. Yes. Well, anyway, she <laughs> okay, <laughs> and she tweeted uh, that uh, that Jesus was um, not ethnically but gender uh-huh. fluid, and everybody got all upset. Now, see, uh-huh. I. I, when I first saw it, I, I took a little hope because in my mind I've been praying for this particular yeah. woman. I, yeah. She's pretty crass and kind of foul mouth and all. Uh-huh. Uh, but but I don't know why. I've always kind of been interested in her. Uh, I mean, she's a Hollywood type and all this sort of thing. But the fact that she was going to church and that she and her point was not to make Jesus out to be some transgender uh, kind yeah. of. It was saying that. He transcends gender, that, that Christ, in fact, and, and Paul says the same things in, in the kingdom of God. There's neither male nor female, there's slave or free, that we all have become one in Christ. You know, there's a unity. And so she was making this point, I thought was fairly positive, that that Jesus uh, is, is, he reflects and he identifies with with every person, male or female, he's right. in that sense. And when you get married, you find out which one you've become. Uh, no, I, I don't, <laughs> you, you're not going to take this seriously. But anyway, that's what's her intent. But I was, I was, I don't know why I'm, why I'm bringing it up. I guess we're talking about a little bit about this, right. the idea of Messiah. Or, and we're going to go into it further because uh, there's a passage you have tonight. You brought me a portion from the I Talmud. I did, yes. It's in Hebrew, folks. It's written out from the Talmud. He's uh, underlined it. And just showing. Remember the, the, I don't know if it's a parable, but Jesus is, no, it's not a parable. It's actually de- Jesus is describing a judgment that takes place at the throne of God. And remember, it's a very famous uh, terminology, folks. If you remember the expression, Jesus separating the the um, sheep from the goats. Yes. And and I'm not sure we Gentiles have any really particular understanding of that. Well, sure you do. I don't think so. Oh, we, yes. We always do. read it I, and just think, What oh, an odd thing. I'm defending you. I know. You're trying. Yeah. But well, and I'm doing it rather I know, well, I think. I'm quite, I'm quite aware of how ignorant I've been. For, you are not and ignorant. I still and I, I, listen, I'm not going to tolerate. And I use the word I'm ignorant. not tolerating that. I'm using the word ignorant, not no. stupid. Because no. it's, just, it's well, just ignorance. I didn't know, you know about this passage you're bringing to me. And we usually interpret the judgment of sheep and goats yeah, as yeah, 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 yeah. we most we most judgments like that we look at as uh-huh. the lost and the redeemed. Yeah, yeah. those who are. And I'll grant you that that's a typical Christian point of view. Yeah, it is. That's one reason I brought in this thing from Jewish literature to show you that when he separate, separates the Greek, uh, the Greeks, when he separates <laughs> the, the goats and the sheep, uh-huh. he actually is talking about the characteristics of the people. That's why I brought it in. I was telling you what I showed yeah. you. And so it's an ancient understanding that you can describe a person, you know, as a, a dog, if you like, or, a, you know, that they're really stubborn like a mule. Mm-hmm. But they're using the term as goat being something that's very stubborn, will not, under, will not budge. They're very uh, resistant. Yeah. Resistant to yeah. everything. Uh-huh. And so in 20, Matthew twenty five thirty one, he says this. And this is what I really want to point out. And by the way, I should say this. I do approach this, as we've all agreed, from a rather uh, Jewish point of view. Uh, oh, yeah. Not rather Jewish. Uh-huh. A pure, uh-huh. head-on, straightforward uh-huh. well, Jewish. Well, okay. As a Jewish person, or a well-informed Jewish person who's uh-huh. familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures uh-huh. and the Talmud and uh-huh. so on, uh-huh. it's what you guys, when you read it, uh-huh. it's what you think of. That's right. So I can't and we get, don't think of I that because we away. don't have that That's background. Right. Yeah. I can't get away from that paradigm. Uh-huh. So, <clears throat> but now, uh, I will want to say that 
no Christian listener should say, oh, gee, I just didn't understand. That's why I don't really care for what you just said, because uh-huh. you're not ignorant. And, well, ju- and oh, hey, this is my turn to talk. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so <clears throat> what I'm saying is, you're as long not, as he's saying good things about me, yeah, I'm not well saying up, right? is, you know? is that nobody should take what I say 100% correct. They should. It's like something else. Knowledge makes us larger, not smaller. And people can look at it. They can decide what they like. They can take some, leave some. But it's not in any way meant to change anybody's religion or belief in Jesus. I would never do that. But I do offer some different dimensions and thoughts, and people can take that and apply it as they they should believe their religion. They should believe their pastors. They should believe their people that give them teaching and advice, such as you. And now... But, but Jim, uh, Jacob, the, the... the book is the book. Uh, that would be Jacob. That's okay. That, Don't get excited. I know. The book is the book. I mean, uh, the, and that's, of course, of what this program is all about, is we are about properly and correctly understanding this book. And uh, one of the one of the ways to do that is to compare Scripture with Scripture mm-hmm. and to take each Scripture in its context and, and so on. And that's what we're trying to do. And remember, uh, the Messiah... Uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth was, in fact, a devout, committed uh, Jew. <laughs> he, and, and so he understood the scriptures, the, the Old Testament scriptures and passages. And so what you're saying is when he said this idea of separating the sheep from the goats, this was not, when you as a Jewish person read that, you don't see it the way we do. That's the first time I'd ever seen that expression. I just thought the lost and the, and the uh Exactly the so. But you know it from the Old Testament, there. The idea is that uh, he's separating these is judgment of nations uh-huh. based on how they have treated uh-huh. the people of God. Let's take a look at the God's verse. People. I want to point this out. Now, okay. I'm in no way diminishing what you're saying about it's the redeemed and the unredeemed sort of. Because well, it might be a part of it. Well, it, it probably ends up ultimately that way. But I, look at uh, Matthew 25:31. Uh-huh. It says, and I'm reading in this from uh, the NASB. It says, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory with all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. 32, all the nations will be gathered before him, not the Jews, the nations. We're not talking about an individual personal judgment here. This is a national national judgment, yes. And then it says, he will separate them into the goats or the sheep from the goats. Now, the characteristic of a sheep is uh, cooperative, friendly, sweet, helpful. The characteristic of the goat is very uh, intransitory. It will not budge. It is absolutely, as we might say, stubborn. So he's saying, you know, you guys had the chances. I mean, he's separating the nations. And this is 100% Jewish teaching. That's why I brought that page. Is that part of the... Understanding of what the Messiah would do? Yes. Okay. Now, <clears throat> that's why I brought that page from the Talmud for you to see. Uh-huh. And what this is about is he judges the nations. What you are looking at, in my opinion... Based on their treatment of... Well, I'm going to get to that. Okay. But what you're looking at is actually his explanation of... The Abrahamic covenant, which says, uh, I will bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. Now, the, not only the Christians read that and they know that, the Jews also do. And, of course, Jesus would know that also. And now, as you were saying, he, they said, hey, 
when did we, when we were nice to you? And he says, when uh, you gave me food, I was hungry. You gave me water. You gave, helped come to visit me when I was in prison. So he's saying, you guys are like the sheep. And then he comes over to the goats, and he says, you didn't give me food. You didn't give me water. You didn't visit me. You didn't care. You were a goat. And he's judging the nations based on the principle of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, How they treated the people of God, how they treated Israel. That is correct. That's how I take it. And, of course, that's why I start off by saying that uh, as they traveled through the wilderness way before Jesus, eventually they got grafted in. So there are people who are not what you call physical Israel that became part of Israel, grafted in, if you will. Uh So they become his brothers, but he actually says it. He says that... I will put uh, the uh, I'll put the sheep. This is verse thirty-three. I will put the sheep on my right and the goats on my left. Now, to the transitory pedestrian reader, that might mean nothing, but to the Jewish understanding, it means this: the left is the left hand of God. That's the God the hand of judgment. The hand of judgment. Yes. On the right, that's the one of mercy. So I will cur- I will bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. That's what this is about. And it's not referring to the Jews. Now, whoever joined Israel are, is part mm-hmm. of his brothers. And he says that uh, how you have treated my brothers is how I'm going to decide if you are a sheep or a goat. And some might interpret that, brethren, in the sense of, of eth- ethnic Israel, which, you know, they could... I I interpret it more, when the first time you even explained this to me, I thought, oh, that that fits perfect into the idea that that the way people respond to and treat the people of God, God's people. Um, you could you could interpret that more broadly than ju- just like ethnic Israel, but spiritual Israel, all, all the, the people of God, how people treat them and their attitude toward uh, toward the people of God. I, that's the way I look at it, and we've talked a little bit about that. I it doesn't it is that seems to me to be very very compatible with the idea actually Jacob even maybe the idea of uh, uh, of salvation type judgment because one of the characteristics uh, I, I once preached a sermon many years ago and, and I got so much feedback from the very positive feedback from folks about I said seven ways to know that you're going to hell and which you know is a very kind of a flagrant sort of a way to title a sermon just so that people would maybe be interested. But the other, the idea is here are seven attitudes, here are seven things about your life that... Did you if, say flagrant or flagrigation? Uh, I, I said I said f- fragrant. Like fragrant. really oh. good. No, I said flagrant. But in other words, it's pretty out there. But it was on, to, get, to get interest in the sermon so people uh, would want to hear uh-huh. it. But... It is helpful as well to know if there are a set of attitudes, if there are sort of attitudes and behaviors that that would indicate to a person that you know you're you're not bo- you're not born again, you're not you're not spiritually alive, involved in related and connected with God, because look at these particular attitudes, and, and there's a number of them, that and they're they're fairly common. They're not out of this world sort of type things. Uh, for example, if you have no interest whatsoever in the Word of God. You have no interest in the Bible. You never read it. You never care about it. It has no. When you do read it, it's just boring and sort of out of touch, and you have gets no nothing out of it. It has no message for you. It's probably an indication that that you're reading somebody else's mail. You know, it's it's not to you. You're not part of the people of God. If you're, uh, and there were some other things I said, but one of the things is 
if you dislike the people of God, maybe you don't go to church because man, I don't like those people. They're a bunch of hypocrites and blah blah blah. You know, and you're very critical of the people of God, the people who believe in God and want sincerely trying to follow a God. Oh, they're a bunch of hypocrites, and you know, and you dislike them, and you don't, you don't, you're not in the least bit attracted or. Uh, or even compassionate toward them, that would be one of the indicators that well, you're probably uh, and not I can't, part of the people uh, of God. And I can't dispute your, your sermon. And so you can consider this also positive feedback. Well, see, that would be one of those characteristics uh, that you're pointing except out. Except I must take a uh, different position. Okay, okay. I think the text here is very clear. I think he's talking about, and this would include yeah. people that joined Israel uh-huh. as they traveled through the desert or uh-huh. whatever, but... Uh, I think he's clearly saying uh, Israel and you guys that are not Jews by either joining, converting, or uh-huh. b- believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those guys, I'm judging, and I'm going to judge, in fact, in f- verse 40, yeah. 25, 40, and 49. Yeah. He says, to the, about the sheep and the goat, he says, to Depart the... Depart ex- from me, right? No, he, that, that that's much later. Okay, okay. I thought I'd go ahead and finish the verse I was reading. What do you think? And I think I'll let you. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he says... I think I'll shut up and let uh, you finish okay. your thought. And to the extent... That you have been nice to the brothers of mine. And in 49, to the extent that you have not been nice to the brothers of mine. This is clearly about uh, the characteristics. And the Jews would always talk about animals. And they'd use the characteristics, as we were talking about, about. And the goat is very stubborn. It's uh, recalcitrant. It will not join anything. It's Mm -hmm. very much self-sufficient. The sheep are sweet and pliable. And they would listen. So, and he's talking, and it's very important, I think, to understand that this is, as it says in 2531 and 32, it's the nations that the Messiah was judging. And when I read this, not Sam right, but I am an expert in my own opinion. That's right. And uh, the, uh, it says, I read this to be Jesus' explanation of taking the characteristics of an animal of a goat and a sheep and applying it with the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah, and the, and the judgment that Messiah was supposed to carry exactly, out. Exactly, yeah. Well, you know, um, that's interesting. Uh, we're, we're just coming to the end of our first segment already. Oh, uh, we'll just keep going. We'll what the heck? Co- yeah, the, the thing about the, the sheep. You said the sheep is nice and pl- uh, pl- compliant uh, and compatible and goes along and so on. Uh, but another characteristic of the sheep is they're not really very smart. Right? <laughs> we have to be. You, I'm going to let you handle that. All right. Well, there's our music. That's the end of our first segment. We'll come back in just a moment and we will put some questions out on the airwaves so that you can give us a call. 340 9585. That's the call in line for the Bible Live Quiz Show. 340 9585. You can call us now if you'd like to call yeah, And we don't care what nation you're from. But we'll give you some questions in just a little bit when we come back from these brief messages. Don't go away. Uh, Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor. Carpet cleaning for the 21st century. 831-3535. Get your daily devotional, podcasts of your favorite programs, station and community events, and featured articles on a number of issues Christians need to know about. All in one place. KSLR.com. That's KSLR.com. Praise you in the morning. Praise you in the evening. When I'm young and when I'm old. Praise you when I'm laughing, praise you when I'm grieving, never sees another soul. If we could see how much you're worth, how your mind are in this This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. Thank you for joining us. Jacob is here with me in the studio, and we're about to put out some questions from our readings this past week, our scheduled readings, Matthew 26 through 28, and in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, chapter 1 through 10. Uh, Jacob, let me give some questions from the Psalms, and then you can pick up at Matthew and Numbers, okay? Yeah. Does that sound like a plan? A plan. All right. Um Let's see here. Let's take in chapter 29 of the Psalms. In Psalm 29, David begins by asking a group of extraterrestrial beings to give honor to God. Who are these extraterrestrial beings? You didn't believe there were extraterrestrials. The Bible confirms that there are, there is life outside this planet, extraterrestrial beings. Who are they? They're found there in in Psalm 29. He begins by asking a group of extraterrestrial beings, this pen thing is not coming off, extraterrestrial beings uh, to give honor to God. So that's that's question number one. 
I'll ask you another one here from Psalm chapter 30. Psalm chapter 30. David celebrates being delivered from illness and from God's judgment on his sin. What sin had David committed? Now, we know the famous sin of David, the, the, and I'll tell you right, right up front, the, the sin of adultery and murder. Of his, we're not talking about that one in this particular case. In Psalm 30, David is celebrating being delivered from illness and from God's judgment on a particular sin that he had committed that we know about. We're told about it in First Chronicles chapter 21 and 22. What sin had David committed and that he is celebrating his deliverance there in Psalm um, Psalm 30. Oh, I hope that makes sense to you. Not too confusing as a question. And now, um, okay, let me ask one more. Why should, according to Psalm 146, why sh- should we not place our ultimate faith in people, even very powerful people? Sometimes we think, why? Well, it's who you know. It's not what you know. It's who you know. And are you connected? And, and you place all your hope in, in being connected to these politicians or to this uh, famous musician or athlete, you know, we we kind of place our ultimate faith in who we know in people, sometimes even very powerful people. Why is the Bible says in Psalm 146, why that, why we should not place our ultimate faith in people? Why is it? Psalm 146, look at verse 4, and you find the answer to that question. Now for the Book of Matthew and the book of Numbers, Jacob has some questions. Okay, uh, how about your number five? Am I on? You are on. Okay, how about your number five, which is, uh, see, what psalm did Jesus quote while on the cross? Okay. And the answer would be in Psalm 22. Actually, there's another one uh, when he talked about, um, into your hands I commend my spirit. Okay. That is actually, a, I had not known that before. It is actually a quote as well from, um, thank you, John. You tell me, keep into your microphone, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but Speak into your a microphone. Fairly well known, a fairly well-known passage, right? Isn't that right, Jacob? Uh, there's uh, some about it, it, commending yeah. his spirit to uh, to God or commending his life to God. I think that that might be considered well, but that's not the passage we're looking for. Uh-huh. That's not the psalm we're asking you about. Okay. Which well-known psalm did Jesus quote while on the cross? Okay, that's, uh, yeah, what psalm? So It's actually, well, do you want me to say it? No. No, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, you mean say the words? No. Well, I could. We could do that. No, let's, let's not give them that, that help okay. yet. That'll be a hint we'll give them. But. Okay. Okay, now, um, in your uh, number eight, uh, oh yeah, that's found in um, what uh, Matthew twenty. Uh, there on the cross, I I didn't put it where it's found in Matthew. No, that's what I was going to say. Do you want me to say the psalm? Oh, I see. Not the psalm itself. Uh, okay, um, okay, but but because that's our knows, question, it's right? It's in uh, chapter twenty-seven, I believe, isn't it? Is it okay? Um, anyway, so then uh, your number eight says in the Great Commission. In Matthew uh-huh. twenty-eight, eighteen to twenty, you like saying that, don't uh-huh. you? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. notice you Jewish people like to talk about uh-huh. working for a great commission. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what is the only imperative verb in Greek? Now you expect people to know what an imperative in nah, Greek is. Come yeah. on, now. A, a command verb, okay. like go, sit, jump, 
Shut up. <laughs> okay. That would be command verbs. Yeah. yeah, those are all Greek, obviously. Imperative verbs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so that's uh, two from that, okay? Yeah, that's two from the book of Matthew. Uh-huh. Now, can we go to Numbers? Let's go to Numbers. Okay. I would like to go to uh, uh, your number four. All right. And it says the total first census was 603,550, which Israelites, by the way, do you know what they call uh, really call Israelites? In Israelis? The, in the Bible, yes, it's Israeli. Yeah. Okay. Same thing they call them today, but in the old Hebrew, when you read it, it's Israeli, yeah. yeah. Which Israelis were not included in this count? Okay. The answer is in chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Mm, and you got to think it through there a little bit before well, you, you just answer. just look at chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Oh, yeah, that's right, too. I guess you could. Yeah. That's <laughs> it just, tells just, you. Just a thought. In, according to that first census, 603,550. And I understood that they counted them up by the, the number of feet and then divided by two. Uh-huh. Is they, that what you understand? Yeah, that's what I thought. In, in, that's uh, what I was. Let's see. In wh- which uh, denomination are you baptized <laughs> in or certified in? <laughs> so what would that happen with one one legged or one fo- people who one fo- that would not take them into consideration? Would it? Oh, it's okay. Uh, should we go on? Yes, uh, we better. All right. All right. As quickly no. as possible. All right. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, your number. Yeah, your number eleven. Okay, I as like God that. prepared Israel for war, uh-huh. the first priority priority was to organize them for worship. The second priority was to safeguard the moral and spiritual purity of the nation, especially what basic institution? Answer in Numbers five eleven through fifteen. Now, I think we miss that a lot of times when we read about. These battles and these times of conflict and confrontation that often you see God preparing the people for battle. And it's a a kind of preparation that has nothing to do with armament. It has nothing to do with weapons. It's more of a spiritual preparation. And uh, we have to realize that this is a this is nation building 101. God is building a nation of people. He's establishing a calendar. He's establishing traditions and holidays, and he's he's putting together things that make a difference, that help a people be a people. And part of that was spiritual preparation of the, the uh, sound moral uh, fiber, a sound more uh, view, a worldview that's healthy and positive. And so uh, we sometimes we're surprised by that uh, that God spends so much time with Israel working on their on their. Uh, well, I was going to give the. I was going to give the answer away, but I didn't. That's oh, great. Oh, that's a good thing you didn't. The second priority was to safeguard the moral and spiritual purity of the nation, especially what basic institution of the nation, of any society for that matter. And the answer would be in 5, 11, and 15. Yeah. Numbers chapter 5, verses 11 through 15. And so how, there you, go. Want, you want one you more? Want more? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. All right. Well, here it is. Mike, hang on. We'll be right with you just right after this one question. Okay. It's uh, year number 17 in Numbers, chapter 8. God instructed Aaron to light seven lamps in the tabernacle, gold lampstand. This lampstand is a symbol of Hmm. you've got the Jewish faith today. What is it called? 
Well, you're going to correct me there. Well, on I'm that, not right? going to correct it. I'm going to share. You're going to amplify it. Well, yes. amplify, yes. share, yeah. sure. In Numbers 8, God instructs Aaron to light seven lamps in the tabernacle's gold lampstand. Uh-huh. This lampstand is a symbol of the Jewish faith today. Uh-huh. What was that lampstand called? So you I don't think there's you a verse added, that you point you to. You added words. I know. I'm wordy. That's Call me wordy. But anyway, this book, that, that, is that name actually ever in the Bible? Oh, yeah. It is? Of course. Well, you have to tell me where. I'm interested in knowing. Sure. But, but we don't have a passage. We don't have a verse to look at to find the word. Well, it's not exactly in this portion. It's a chapter 8 is where you were pulling it from. You'll actually see the word somewhere there? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. There are so what, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions. Uh-huh. You can call in 340-9585. And Mike has already, in fact, done that. So we're going to bring his microphone up and uh, oh. let Mike speak to San Antonio and 39 counties of South Texas. Welcome, Mike. Welcome to the program. Uh, hi, Sophie. Hi, Jacob. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I have been very anxious since last week. Uh, the last question that you had was uh, uh, telling us the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Ah. And so um, the Sadducees believed in the Pentateuch and the um, Pharisees in the Talmud. Okay, the, the, so, the Sadducees only acknowledge the authority, the divine authority of the first five books, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the, the, the Law of Moses, different names we give it. Is that that's true, Jacob? Uh, loosely, yes. Huh? The Sadducees. So they had other authoritative books as well? Well, it's how you approach it. It's not that your words are wrong. It's just the idea that comes with it may be expanded, amplified, as you say. I didn't say it with the Jewish accent. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, okay. Well, then, so what's the matter? Then, There's well, no graves left in Egypt. He brought us well, out here to die. Yeah, but contrast that with what did the Pharisees accept? Uh, as well, you know the standard story, Mike, that, that's always saying, oh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were sad, you see. You know that story, don't you? Uh, no, I didn't. I like that. The Sadducees didn't believe in, let me uh, see. Uh-huh. Well, you're right. The authority of the rest of the, the books of the Bible. Plus, uh-huh. they didn't I, didn't believe in angels? I looked them up in, no, no, no. Or, well, the angels, spirits, the, uh, the resurrection of the dead. Uh-huh. Was, it, it was, no. Uh, that's correct. Right. And the expression is, that's why they were so sad, you see. Well, yes, but I want to, I want to point out one of the misunderstandings is, if the, the, the Pharisees believed in physical resurrection, now, the, and you always hear the Pharisees didn't believe in, like, life after death, which is not correct. Uh-huh. They did are you talking be- about Pharisees or Sadducees? I'm talking about Sadducees. Okay. And Sadducees did believe in life after death. What they did not agree with is physical. A physical resurrection. Because yeah. if there's no life after death, why do anything? Just have a great time. So they both believed in it, the Pharisees thought, and really uh, most modern Christians agree with exactly what the Pharisees were saying, and they agree with the physical resurrection, right? Right. Huh? So they, and so did Jesus, by the way. Okay. And, All right. But there's the idea. Okay. Uh, okay, so the, the, the Talmud, uh, I know the Torah, I know the Tanakh, but what's, what's the Talmud? Uh, you know, uh, Christians have commentaries, many, many commentaries that you can buy, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, you, your answer was correct, Mike. You won. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the 
But the Jews also have a commentary, and it basically is this. It basically is called the Talmud. There are two versions of the Talmud. One's called the Babylonian, for the Jews that went to Babylon. And there's one called Jerusalem. And that's for the ones that remained in Jerusalem. Are these formal, written, and finished books or uh, works? They were always oral, but quite frankly, what was happening is so many Jews were being killed, they got together and decided, that maybe we better write this down because all the guys are getting killed. So they began writing them down. And what they'll do is they'll do a verse of the Torah, and uh, then they'll write... The, all the explanations, there may be two, there may Goodness be ten. gracious, what a commentary. Written over a period of, what, thousands wow. of years? And well, yeah. I, I guess it's kind of the Wikipedia of the Old Testament, right? Where yeah, everybody you, you, kind you, of weighs in and comments. Well, and you, you, had to be a, you had to be a scholar, it's just not some guy on the corner. You know? Yeah. Never a guy on the corner? Never a guy on the corner. Ah. If, he, if, he, if he wasn't a recognized scholar, he wouldn't be able to put it, may I say, two cents. Well, what if uh, us guys got, got a hold of a uh, copy of the Talmud? Did we understand it when you were just going uh, I want to be very candid with you. Uh, you can buy one. You can get it on digital form, but you're looking at about, if you catch it on sale, it would be $3,500. Uh, oh. and, and, uh, but if you don't, you'll pay about 5000 But can But to your point, could you understand it? I would say yes, but you must. They write with the assumption that a lot of people already have some Jewish understanding and background. So, okay. and, and it, some of it is very even even for me and very educated Jews. Even some rabbis have to study passages to understand what's actually being said sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult, but could you? Of course, you could. Well, there are some commentaries uh, that are so popular and so by such big name people. That, you know the. Uh, I've forgotten something. Matthew's commentary is a very famous. Most young men and women going to seminary, they'll get a copy of that particular set. And they're not cheap either. They're sets of commentaries, a full set of uh, whole Bible commentaries are quite expensive, actually. So I guess the 3500 is not totally. No, well, that's di- digital. Oh, I see. That's the digital. Well, and and I want to tell you, Mike, it's not just one book. It's uh, It'd yeah. be a whole wall of books, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, well, anyway, um, that uh, the, the lampstand is called the menorah. There you go. He no, got it. He got it. And, and I have no idea what the seven candles stand for. Uh-huh. Well, neither does the person who wrote this question. Oh, did I say that? Seven, <laughs> seven means perfect, I think, right? Oh, uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> I uh, that's okay. That, that's not, I'm, I'm actually just pulling your leg. Okay. It, it can mean whatever you'd like it to. Let go my leg. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it is menorah. And, like, when I send a card to somebody on their birthday or, at pa- at, say, at Passover, I say, hey, happy Passover. Many menorah. <laughs> oh God! That legacies. Really, really. Uh, were you praying? I hope you were praying. When you and said I heard that, that they were gifted comedians. I mean, really. Yes. <laughs> well, that's good. Mini menorah. Um, <laughs> anyway, okay. There's seven candles in seven candles in the menorah uh-huh. in the temple in the temple. Well, it was and in the it was in the uh, tabernacle first, right? It was in the tabernacle. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. And but the ones that they use at Hanukkah now actually have eight candles with a uh, a server oh, candle that's a, actually nine, so it would have nine. But the ones in the temple has seven, and that's the one you're referring to, uh-huh. the seven lights. And it is this: it is that the idea of the Torah should be shared with the rest of the world to give light to the world every day. Oh, seven days a week. Uh huh. 
Oh, seven, seven, days ah, seven candles. Well, that's, that's why too even, easy. That's why even on Hanukkah, you see, uh, you light a candle, a new candle, every day and accumulate it until you get all eight lit. See. So now why do they put eight? Because the miracle of the oil for the menorah lasted eight days. Okay, so it's not like they're adding another day to our week. No. Okay, all right. All right, there you go, Michael. You've asked hey, a good ask question. Ask Michael another question. You know, tonight they got the Golden Globes right. on, and they've also got this big football game on. So we're probably having we probably got two listeners. Okay, well, let's, well, well oh, Mike, since one of you, you're one of our two listeners. Uh, I mean, the six hundred, the six hundred twenty thousand were the were the, the men of military age. Uh-huh. And not counting their families. You know, not counting their families and not counting another important group. Okay. He did it. Oh. He did it. He's got, he's got no. it. No, Actually, he didn't ask. That's one group well, yeah. that it did not include. But there's another group that that census did not include as well. Which the, group was that? A tribe. It wasn't uh, just women and children. The the Levites. Yeah. Okay. Let's, Mike, let's talk about it for a moment. We are on the verge of, may I say, to quote a, a branch of the menorah. We're on the branch of enlightenment. Are you about to contradict my answer to that question? Absolutely not. I'm going oh, to support good. it. Oh, thank you so much. And enlightenment. I was right. I'm ready for Rima. Oh, there you go. There you go. Now, the number actually was 603,550 in the book okay. of numbers, and that's chapter 1. Uh, one, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. And Mike correctly said that did not include the women and children that and is did correct. not include the Levites. He is, he is a winner. Okay. Uh, now, okay. Now, there's something very interesting about that number, Mike. Okay. Now, remember back in Exodus when everybody was giving a half shekel? in Exodus, to contribute towards making the sockets of the, you know, for the tabernacle and, and the, to get the things ready for the tabernacle in the wilderness they all used, right? That was rescue money. That was what? Uh, rescue money. Rescue money? Um, well, um, uh, every single um, person that uh, left Egypt yes. uh, was required to pay a half shekel uh, for the their uh, their rescue. Yeah. Oh, rescue! Uh, the, the rescue! Oldest child. That was I thought not he was taken. talking about the country of Russia, and I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> Rusky. Yeah, oh, Rusky? No, no. But I want to know about that too, because uh-huh. evidently the Levites became yes. uh-huh. the sub. At first, it wait, was the first wait. Son. First, before you do that, I know where you're going, but first, let's lay the ground. Okay. Work. All right. Lay the ground. Okay. Work. In Exodus, when they all gave a half shekel. And, Mike, the only thing I would suggest is I don't know that they were required to, but they were free, a voluntary offering. Mm-hmm. Okay. And ah. they gave a half shekel instead of a shekel. Now, it would be like what you and I might call a half a penny. Okay? Mike, yes, sir. You there? He's yes, there. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, that's the way they counted them. Aha. What was the number they came to? 603,500. 550. Exactly the number that's here in numbers. The same exact number, but how could that be? Because remember, this the the six hundred three five fifty was before the incident of the golden calf. Ah, and and remember, one half of one percent of Jews died. No, no non-Jews died, and so that was about three thousand. So we lost three thousand, and then the Levites here are not counted. 
So that's a big group of people. And yet the number comes out the same of 603550. 603, the same number. Now, we could say, oh, somebody was just writing that in there, or we could say it was a mystical happening, or we could say that there, after that group was removed, the Levites, and not counted at this point, and the women and the children, as you say, Sophie. Child, by children, we mean below the age of 20, right? Yes, sir. And so, but we come out the same number because the Jewish understanding is, is that even though you had someone got killed in the golden calf incident, and then you got the Levites not counted, they were replaced to the same number, so they'd be the same number arriving in Israel, because for some reason that number had to be important. Now, would you like to know what the Jewish understanding of why that number why was Why the number is important, okay. Yes, sir. Uh, would you like to know, Mike? Yes, sir. It was Moses' Social Security number. Uh, actually, that's a brilliant, and that would have been probably my sixth or seventh guess. <laughs> Okay. But uh, it's actually... It was a lottery number. It actually... Ooh, that would be nice. Uh, anyway, it actually has to do with the Hebrew letters in the Torah. Ah. So, so we, uh, so we actually have that number being reestablished, even though the Levites are not counted, and 3,000 Jews were killed. You're kidding me. I kid you That's not. how many letters? Uh, in the Torah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got to count, the, but in Hebrew you count the, the letter and the space, so it comes out that way, yes. I see. And it's the Hebrew, not the English. So what you've got is is that, and the reason they give a half shekel, Mike, in chapter 1 of Numbers, and even back in chapter, if you want to verify this, it's chapter 38 of Exodus, verse 26, 38, 26, Exodus, but in the first chapter of Numbers, that's the same number, and the reason they give a half shekel, hang on to your seatbelt, Mike, you ready? Here we go. Yes. Okay. Is because it is forbidden by God to put a number on a human being. You can count items. You cannot reduce a human being to a number. You must recognize that they are not an item. That's how David okay. got in trouble, right? With that there, sentence. that's the difference. You see, that's why David got in trouble because he did this thing, and he didn't. He counted the people. He counted the people. He, but you can't supposed to just count their feet and divide by two, like I said. But, well, and you did say that, but we're going to quickly move on. <laughs> and but you count. You are, you. God wanted people to be recognized as human beings, not as items. And what we do, and even do what the Nazis do, they immediately put in numbers. Because mm-hmm. if you reduce a human being to a number, they no longer matter. They're a number. That's why you, you donate the half shekel. But why half shekel? It suggests the idea that it's not complete till the other half is there. In other words, all of Israel, only if a person that puts in is only half, the other, all nation of Israel completes the shekel. And then you have the completion. And that is why I think this chapter 25 of Matthew ties in so well tonight, because it's he's saying the nations are, uh-huh. are, not, are counting, and they get counted by how they blessed. But the reason they use the shekel is because you cannot reduce a human being to a number. So, so you donate the half shekel. 
Now you donate the half shekel, and then we count the shekels, the oh, half, man. the half shekels. Now I'm going to tie this together for you. Are you you got your seatbelt on, Michael? You have to pretty much have yes, a handle sir. on higher I'm, mathematics I'm, to be a. Understand this. Okay, you ready, Michael? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, you okay I knew you were. I could, I could hear you putting your seatbelt on. Uh, yep. Here it goes. Now there is a story in the Gospels about a lady who's very poor. And she goes to the temple, and they translate, and she put in two pennies or one mite, that kind mm-hmm. of business. Mm-hmm. And The widow's mite. The yes. widow's mite. There you go. And Jesus says, oh, she's always going to be remembered. Now, why would he say that? Does that mean for posterity? Everybody reads the gospel and says, oh, listen to that woman that gave the money. Because she's the one that gave. Uh-huh. Uh, she's uh, given more than anyone's because no, she gave. No, 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 no. Sophie, i got to hold you up there. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, look at my fingers. I got them in the shape of a gun. This is a holdup. Okay, this is a holdup. Uh, this, uh, it, you see, that's why it's designated. A rich person cannot give more. A poor person cannot give less. Everybody is equal in the eyes of God and in the house of God. It's a half shekel. And so when she goes in, you give the half shekel, you get counted among the nation of Israel because you've donated your half shekel to the temple. So she will be remembered in Israel because, and if you read Exodus, you'll find they give the half shekel, and the idea is you could voluntarily do it, of course, but if you did not, then you would not be remembered as part of Israel and building the tabernacle. But I thought Jesus commended her because, partially as well, uh because she gave out of her, her... Poverty. He does say. Well, others yes, gave right? out of their wealth, That's and so right. she's, sure. in a sense, given more because right. she's. Well, I, I thought that I'm was part to, of his. He does uh, say that declaration. He does say that, so I can't deny that. But I am going to suggest that uh, I think that she will be remembered means that she will be counted among the nation of Israel to help build the temple. Because that's what. Uh, because that's what it says. That's what that's all about. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, you, so when you don't like to have shekel, then you count the shekels because you're counting items. Excuse you're me. not counting people. Well, I, right, I have to beg your pardon, folks. Uh, Michael, thanks for calling in. Okay, uh, Bernadette, I hope you'll be patient and don't go away. Uh, we're going to come back and visit with Bernadette, who has a uh, comment or a question for us here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Do not you go can, away, Bernadette. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's our phone line. We'll be right back. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Thanking you for joining us once more for this final segment tonight of the Bible Live Quiz Program. Now, our focus, folks, in case you're listening, you wonder why you you hear a, a Christian talking about Messiah, reading from the Hebrew, the New Testament, and the Old Testaments, and so on. And then we have this uh, Jacob who's here talking about the Jewish perspective of our focus in this program is not your religiosity. 
We're not necessarily talking about what religion you are and so on. Yeah, we're very interested in your personal relationship with the true and living God. We want to encourage you to seek God and love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and strength. And and um, clearly, we we look at the New Testament in the light of the fact that the claims of Jesus of Nazareth to be that long-awaited and long-promised Messiah, the, the Redeemer, the Savior. Uh, we look at all of those things, but our focus is... It's not what group we're part of, but the focus is the book itself. We want to, we want to understand this Bible, this sixty-six books that we call the Bible, to understand them well, understand them correctly and rightly, uh, as they relate interrelationship between the different books and so on. And Jacob is here to help give us a very important perspective, and that is, uh, these are Jewish men and women who wrote this book, the Bible, and it's about Jewish men and women. Uh, the Messiah Himself is Jewish, and and so how. How can we hope to have a good understanding, a clear understanding of this great book without some reference to the Hebrew language, Hebrew traditions, Hebrew history, the context in which they were written, and the, the, the history they come out of? So that's Jacob is just giving us a very, very important perspective, and I, for one, appreciate it so very much. Yeah, I, but I, I want to stress that somebody shouldn't listen to me. They should listen to their own religion, their sure. own faith, and believe what they believe. Well, they should lo- listen to the book. Yeah. The book is our authority. Even uh, even our pastors are to be held to the accountability of are they are they rightly dividing the word of truth? Are they rightly understanding it? Uh-huh. And that's what our, our hope and our, our objective, our goal is to help give yeah, you, you that. You have that two calls on hold. Let's go get let's go get um, let's get Bernadette up here first. Bernadette, thank you for calling in again. Hello there. I'm so glad you? to hear your voice. What's going on? I wanted to follow up on something you asked me about last week about yes. daily portion. Yes. And you know that for thousands of years, um, each Jew reads the daily portion, and it's the same every day. Uh, every Around day the world. Of the year. It doesn't change. It's it called the Hoff something, right? I'm sorry? It's called the Hoff. Uh, you said you gave us the word last week. Oh, uh, well, we read the Torah portion, and then we read the Hoff Torah. Hoff Torah, which that's is, right. Yes, which is the conclusion. The accompanying passage. So, and it's passage, something yeah. from either the writings or the prophets. Good. And what I wanted to follow up on is that when I read that daily portion, it connects me to my mother's family, um, particularly because uh, during World War II, all of my mother's family were killed in concentration camps. Mm, and so sorry. Uh, my grandmother died in Riga in Latvia. But I know that when I read that daily portion, it's the same daily portion that she would have read. That they read. And that connects me to her. That's got to be such a powerful connection. I've thought of that before as well. Uh, not only when you bring it down to the individual level, like you and your family and your grandparents and grandmother and so on, but how, what, how connected you must feel to all the people of God, through the even through the generations, that you're connected through the Scriptures to, to the people... Of the word, yeah, that, that's so exciting to me. It really is a beautiful truth, and and hopefully we as as uh, followers of Messiah, Jewish uh, or Gentile believers, hopefully we can appreciate to some degree that that same kinship as we we are both people of the book, and we love this word, we love God's word, and and uh, that's one of our objectives here as well. I I really appreciate that reminder. I think it's beautiful, and I'm so sorry to hear about your family and how they were. I, it really just breaks my heart when I think of the devastation and, and the suffering that went on. But it's nothing new to, I mean, God's people throughout the Scriptures seem to take a brunt of a lot of suffering and a lot of a lot of difficulty. 
But I, um, I uh, just, I, my thoughts are there with you. Uh, that's that's got to be a, a, a painful thing to consider. But maybe the scriptures, this connection, brings you a little bit of relief and a little, a little bit of connection with those who've gone before us. That's a, it's a great thought, Bernadette. It really is. And by the way, I love the name Bernadette. I don't know where it, is that also a biblical name, Jacob. Do you know if Bernadette is a? All names come from Hebrew. <laughs> Bernadette, do you happen to know? Are you still with us? She may have hung up. Yes, I'm still here. Is Bernadette, uh, no, does Bernadette know, come from a, a, a biblical or scriptural background? Does the name Bernadette, is it is it Hebrew but, in background or something? No, it, not that I know of. It's no, a pretty, it's, it's a beautiful actually name. Actually, it's a very ancient English name. Oh, how about that? Uh-huh. Uh, do you want to know exactly what it means? I would love that. It uh, comes from the male Bernard. When male babies were born very hairy, they called them Bernard. It means hairy like a bear. <laughs> so you're little, you're little, you're little hairy like a bear. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bernadette, but you That's you shouldn't okay. have told me that. that I wish it had a nicer, <laughs> uh, cutesy background, but it doesn't. Well, it sure is a pretty name. I'll say that for it for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling and thank you for that reminder and telling a little bit of your story. That's that really is a. Uh, that's a great perspective for us all to have. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Let's go and visit with another caller. I uh, believe Jeanette. Jeanette. Uh, Jeanette here is on another line. Hey, Jeanette, are you there? Soapy's answering. I think maybe Jeanette hung up. Jeanette, if you have hung up, please call back. Yes, please, Jeanette. We want and to hear we will put you on well. immediately. Soapy's waiting for you, Jeanette, yeah. to call. I may have just hit a wrong button. I'm not quite sure. I'm thinking that maybe Bernadette hung up, and so I didn't really need to hit the drop button because Bernadette hung up, but I hit the drop button anyway. Is, uh, is, Je- so. is Bernadette, is Jenna, Jeanette still on? No, Jeanette is not there anymore. I've lost Jeanette, but we'll get her back. Well, John seems to be indicating she Three, four, zero, ninety-five, eighty-five. There she is, John. She's calling back. Okay. You want me to talk to Jeanette, or do you want yes. to? Yes. John's going to pick that up. Okay, Jeanette, you're going to get answered right now. Hang on. things decently and in order. Let John pick it up and make sure we got Jeanette back on the line. Oh, okay. It's not Jeanette. Okay. Jeanette, be sure you call. We're waiting for you. It's Harold. It's that hairy version of uh, Bernadette. It's Bernard, the hairy male version uh, calling in. Harold, good to talk with you tonight. What's going on? Good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? We are we are going along happily, enjoying the evening, and getting some really neat in, insights and input from our listeners about uh, our Bible readings this week and uh, the things that, you know, that we understand that from the scriptures. I, hopefully, you're going to add to our understanding. You usually give us a, a little bit of a nugget, a little blessing as from, that you've gleaned from the scriptures, well, Harold. What well, is uh, I have been so blessed that I'm just about afraid to move. Ooh, uh, I good. go through the day sometimes, and I'm thinking I have all these plans, and and it ends up better than what I put together. And <laughs> just the other day, I had found this favorite, become my favorite little restaurant, you know, the Madeline. Uh-huh. And uh, over there on uh, Broadway, I take a book and a Bible or so. And the last time I went there, a time or two before I went there, there's a small little room on the backside, I guess, where you can have guests. And I kept hearing, oh, what is this, oh? And then I heard again, oh, how 
I love tea. Is that right? And I, I, I mean, there too, I like yes. the Madeline. It's a very nice place, yeah. Well, there was, when I heard it again, you know, Oh, How I Love Jesus, I looked in the window, and there was these young kids in there, and they stopped and looked at me, and a girl opened the door and asked me, Would you like to join us? And I said, Well, first of all, I said, I said, Well, what are y'all guys doing? Well, we're practicing some real old hymns because of the Interfaith Week. Oh, it is. Awesome. I didn't say anything of that being like, it still works. Uh huh. Yeah. But, you know, so, um, so, uh, so what happened was, uh, I had mentioned that this came out in the top of my head. I said, you know, well, once in a while I call a radio show, and I'm starting to think that that's an interfaith radio show. And so they asked me, what is it about? And I said, well, there's a Baptist guy and a, and a Jewish guy. And, you know, it kind of stopped there a little bit. Of course, there was a few more things. But something I wanted to ask you, I, I remember week before last, I Hell, I, I don't want to interrupt, but you, this little room you started telling us about, most places call that yes. the bathroom. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> the little room. No, no. no. There's there a little room. lunch room on the side. Oh, okay. Because he started yeah. out by saying, well, I looked in the window and it was like a little room. <laughs> well, uh, the bathroom wouldn't have a window on it. <laughs> you know, I don't think. But... Uh, now, anyway, he interrupted a much deeper thought that yeah, you had, I'm, I'm sure. Go ahead, no. what was and, and the Lord's taking over again. Okay. No. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, well, the, the other deeper thought, I had asked you a few weeks ago, where where's the gold? And so, uh, you know, that the wise men brought. And I uh -huh. started doing some investigating on my own because I got curious. Uh -huh. And I'll make it quick. Was you know yet uh, remember that Moses was was in Egypt and he probably learned some things about Egyptian stuff and I found out that the Egyptians would would mix I mean way before these Egyptians would mix frankincense and myrrh together with a fine powdered gold and they would they thought that that would feed. Maybe the light in their body, I can't understand it, either the DNA, maybe their soul, that it meant something different. Uh -huh. And to prove it, I think, in Exodus chapter 32, verse 20, remember Moses came off the mountain and he was all upset. Is that where they ground and, them, rolled uh, up into dust and had the people drink it? Yes, he made them drink it. And so now I'm thinking that, these three guys brought this stuff maybe as a symbol wow. that we don't need to do that anymore. We don't need to feed the soul that way because that's what Jesus is here for. And just one more thing, because I know... And yeah, Jeanette is waiting on the other line, so yeah, go ahead. But okay, what's, just what's one last thing? verse, Okay, if, if, you, if you don't mind. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, I have read this so much, my page is almost tore. It says, but, but when he who had sent me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach Jesus among the Gentiles. And that is another example of people uh, preaching Jesus to the Gentiles, and it goes back to Jesus being Jewish, and I know you got some other callers, so I'm going to let you run. No, that's a great insight, and that's exactly what Paul often talks about, that he is called, and and I think the people of Israel, the Jewish people, 
have to realize that, and, and I think they do, that that's part of their calling is to bring the message of the Scriptures, bring the Torah, bring God's commands, bring introduce the Gentile world to the true and living God. That's part of their calling. And, and of course, part of what Messiah has done is uh, bring a tremendous right. in-gathering of Gentiles into the people of God. And, uh, and hopefully um, Jewish people are coming to a renewed awakening to that, to the joy of that calling. I know it has a great burden as well. It's a difficult thing, and it, they pay a great price for that role, but uh, hopefully they'll remember that as well. I think it's a great uh, a great reminder there that you bring up, Harold. Let's go to uh, Jeanette. Hey, thank you, Harold. Thanks been, a lot. Alrighty, bye-bye. Bye. Let's go to Jeanette. Jeanette. I thought I... Uh, I, thought I Jeanette, are you there? Oh, no. Oh, maybe I'll hit the wrong button. Let's try. Uh, Jeanette, are you here? I am. Oh, I'm so glad you're there. <laughs> I am too. Jeanette. I kept being I kept being afraid that I had hit the wrong button again. There's still a brand new board for us, and I'm beginning to know how it works. But I thought I hit the wrong button. Good to hear yeah. your voice. It's been a while since I've heard. Oh, you, you recognize her? Something? I think I do recognize yeah. Jeanette's yeah. voice. Uh, yes. Are you still and teaching? By, by the way, my name means Little John. Oh, right? there you go, Little John from, from Robin Hood, Jean, right? John, which is French. Jeanette. Jeanne, yeah. It's the female. Excellent. Now, are you still a professor at uh, the university there? No, no, I, I am not. Okay. But um, my latest adventures with Jesus is that I've completed a book of poetry. Oh. It, it is with secular publishers and uh-huh. it's taking its time. The title is called The Messiah's Signature. The Messiah's Signature. Okay. I like that title. That's a nice title. Anyway, I was going to answer. I wasn't sure which questions have been answered and, and kind of lost track. I kind of have a feeling you could answer probably many of our questions. David begins Psalm 29, Jeanette, by asking uh, uh, a group of extraterrestrial beings to give honor to God. Uh, what name do we give to those extraterrestrial beings today? Angels. Angels, of course, yes. <laughs> I just use a little, little humor there, the extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. But they are extraterrestrial, so there you go. Exactly. So he calls on the angels to give to give praise to God, give honor to God. And let's see, uh, David... I so, was going to answer the one about not putting your trust in princes. Okay, I like that and one, too. The fact that they are human, they need oxygen to breathe in and out. And very often, what they breathe out is a lot of hot air. <laughs> and they're responsible for the cults and the false religions you're exactly that are so right. manifest now in the end time. And we're warned so very much, continually in the Bible, we're warned against the false teachers and, and so mm-hmm. on. But that's not, the, that's not exactly uh, the reason in Psalm 146 why we should it says why we should not place our ultimate faith in people even very yeah, powerful exactly. people and you kind of can't go to the answer kind of got it cuz if people don't mm-hmm. breathe they do what ha- if you stop breathing what they do you die. do yeah you die there's yeah. the answer you you assume room temperature very quickly yeah mm-hmm. so that's another reason that we should not place our ultimate faith in people 
right. because they die. You know, they go, and the next thing you know, the guy you've trusted in and counted yeah. on is gone, and uh, we're left with that. So our faith, our ultimate faith and trust should A be in God. A warranty is only as good as the company's still in business. <laughs> if the company's still in business, that's right. So there you go. Yeah. Well, let's ask. I want to get Jeanette to kind of help us answer some of these questions. Sure. What psalm, Jeanette, did Jesus quote while on the cross? He did say, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. That's also, um, according, we understand how that is in, actually. Into, a, my, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Uh-huh, that's another one. But there's uh-huh. one that he starts off with. He says, my God. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? What psalm is that? Do you remember? Oh, no. 22. Uh-huh. Oh, 22. The famous yeah. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so uh, he's there even on the on the cross, the scriptures. The, you know, when you squeeze Jesus, out comes the scriptures. You know, anytime pressure, yes. out comes the Bible. He knew as a man of the word of God. That's without a doubt. Let me see if there's one final question I can ask you. If you don't mind, do you mind? Uh, no, you, we're no, using your mind. Bible I'm knowledge. Not, the spot because I'm listening to all the banter, you kind of do lose track of yeah. what the original questions were. Yes. Okay, here's one. Uh, it, it is from Psalm 30. David celebrates being yes. delivered from illness and from God's judgment on his sin. What was the particular sin that he had committed that it was referred to in Psalm 30? It wasn't was the adultery. Any, anything to do with his son? No, it wasn't the adultery, and it didn't have it to do with his son directly, at least. It, mm-hmm. it had to do... Um, how well, we're, uh, we're talking about numbers and how... Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It ties in perfectly. About the book of Numbers. Mm-hmm. What, what did David do that he was not supposed to do? What did they do in the book of Numbers? The, we, the book of Numbers is given its name because it. there are two things that... Ha- well, there are two times in the book of Numbers that... Um, that they did what? The census and all. There you go. Yeah. Now, did, did David ever he take kept, a census? Go ahead. Was he somebody not counted among the numbers? or? No, remember, he took uh, a census and he wasn't supposed to. Oh. oh, remember, he's not supposed to count people like you count yes. things. And, and God judged oh, him for I'm it. They must not be numbers. They must not be. And I, Reduced I, to numbers. It, it's so ironic that those who went through the Holocaust, yeah. they were reduced to numbers. Yeah, they put a number. That was part of the so insult. So that was deliberately in defiance of God's yeah. Well, law, Jeanette's, uh, actually, word. Jeanette's right on the money. They tattooed a number yeah. on them and reduced them to being numbers of yeah. things. Yeah, you're exactly right. That was that was a horrible thing. I, I guess you heard Bernadette, who called in earlier. Her her family uh, yes, pa- were, was taking in, taken in the Great Holocaust. Well, th- that is actually very good. You've answered the question correctly, and helped us uh, get some insight there on these verses. We'll give out a few more questions in just a moment. But I sure am glad to hear your voice, Jeanette. Yes, you've always it's brought joy to me. I've really a smile. Uh, so, Soapy, uh, we enjoyed a good friendship. Jeanette's uh, an old friend of yours, yeah. that you know, right? Yeah, we've we've known each other a lot of years, and she used to be yeah. a professor up at the uh, the university that, there in San Marcos. I guess it's called Texas University. Now. No, I no, I was student up there. That's where I got my that's where I got my master's degree in education. It seems like you did some yeah. student teaching, and then there I or did something. some college teaching. Yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> That's what I'm trying to Well, remember. hey, congratulations. Yeah. You two have become reacquainted, recontacted. Good to hear from you, Jeanette. God bless you, yes. dear. God bless. Good to hear from Thank you. Thank you. You betcha. Well, there you go. Jeanette calling in. That is good to hear from an old friend. And uh, I mean, not that she's that old, but old friend in the sense that we, she used to listen to, uh, constantly listen to the Bible live, making our way through the scripture together. And, and she was early on one of our uh, faithful financial supporters to helping support the broadcast. She was uh, just a dear sister in the Lord and good to hear from her again. Well, well we've got I'm a few glad that left. she's made recontact with you. Yeah, it's great. Well, hey, we we made it through, and we've answered all of the questions except for uh-huh. the Great Commission question. What is the only imperative verb? A lot of people don't realize in Matthew twenty-eight, uh-huh. Jesus. We, it's kind of his last command yeah. to his followers. Well, he that's says, right. This this is my text, my joke that I made up, yes. and this is my text to prove he was Jewish because he tells all his disciples, "Hey, go out and work on a great commission." <laughs> I love it. Still, I chuckle. Uh, but anyway, the only the only command he talks about teaching people. Uh, uh, to uh, obey all the commands he has given them, which is very interesting. He didn't just say, go out and teach the people what I com- the commands that I gave you. A part of discipleship is go out and teach the people to obey the commands that I've given you. It's a different thing besides just teaching them the commands yeah. and teaching them and training them to keep right. to obey them. Sure. I think it's a very good distinction. But there it is uh, in, in Matthew chapter 28. It's called the Great Commission because he says, go into all the people groups of the world. Take this message of redemption and salvation and hope and, and take it and make disciples in every people group. The idea is, and I'm not called upon to go to Spain and reach all the Spaniards with, for the gospel of Christ. I go to Spain and I, I lay down my life and I, and I create some Spanish disciples. I train them, I equip them, I, I help them to grow and become healthy and strong. And then they uh, can be more effective, a hundred times more effective than I can in reaching their own countrymen, their their, their brothers and sisters, uh, Spanish people. So we make disciples in the different people groups of the world, and then they multiply the life of Christ. They multiply the spiritual life they found in their realm, in their own culture, in their own society, knowing the language, knowing the cultural cues. That's one of the basic uh, tenets of um, missionary work is we're not there to complete the job ourselves. We're there to make disciples in that culture and and create multiplying believers in that society, and knowing the language, knowing the cultural cues, so that they can take the message of the of redemption uh, more clearly, more effectively uh, throughout their own society, their own culture. It's a wonderful tenet. It's a wonderful uh, concept. Now, Jacob, we've got a few more minutes. Why don't I give you the kind of final minutes of the program this week and let you... Oh, I get them? Yeah, sure. Okay. We've answered all the questions. I will take them home. Okay. Uh, anyway, now I'd, hey, you know, one thing since we were just finishing the book of Matthew that I have always found intriguing, uh, you know, it, um, uh, in chapter 27, uh, about verses uh, 51, 52, uh-huh. it talks about how the graves were opened. You uh-huh. see that? Uh-huh. Matthew, uh-huh. huh? And anyway, uh, the reason I... Yeah, but it's always confusing because... Okay, because in Jewish understanding... The righteous will... Now, this to me, when I read this, this fits my paradigm, my understanding. Uh-huh. Doesn't mean I'm right, but as I say, I am an expert in my own opinion. <laughs> okay. And in the Jewish understanding, the righteous will rise first. 
Now, when I read this, because we're saying, well, wait a minute, the, the ground ripped open, and that's what it says, it ripped open, uh-huh, uh-huh. because I want to explain something. Is it an idea of an earthquake? Oh, well, you can call it earthquake, the land ripped, whatever, rent, whatever okay. you want to say. But this is the idea. If you go back and you look in the uh, Torah, uh-huh. it's one thing to do a sacrifice of a lamb, but that's only, that's not the final requirement. The final requirement is, yes, what? Go oh, ahead, go ahead. final requirement is, is that it must be sprinkled on the ark. And so when the land, when the oh, when it ripped, okay. the blood of Jesus, a lamb, was dripping down on the ark. That's which what was under, which was underneath. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I mistook the uh, board, thinking it wasn't oh. set right to. Okay, you been it just sometime? when you were giving me that sign, I thought I was supposed to stop. <laughs> no, you did great. I thank you for taking us out. That's a wonderful truth we can consider as we leave the book of Matthew. Next week we'll be back for the rest of the book of Numbers. God bless you, folks. Have a great week. And it's brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 